Hey, this is Dan Brophy. Welcome to The Brophy Show. I am talking today to Brooke Brash from Imaginal, which is an online ritual community that has been going for three years. It was launched just pre-pandemic and the community is designed around giving ritual practitioners an opportunity to engage in community and ceremony and it taps into uh, so many beautiful modalities many of which are centuries old and allows that community to come together to share knowledge to share wisdom in service of the planet and educating each other and the wider world so i was so excited to chat to brooke when i met her socially a couple of weeks ago and as she was talking to me about how she left a job that she was really underserved by in banking and then has started this online ritual community i thought wait don't say another word i need to be recording this conversation do you mind if we just stop talking because i've got so many questions and i can just make this podcast official so this was what we did today and i i loved so many things that Brooke talked about but in particular the idea that when she made the leap from her traditional conservative finance based job in the bank now into this totally passion led purpose driven space it was all the skills that she had accrued in her sensible day job that really set her up for success in her new life path and that really speaks to something that i'm so emphatic about which is you already have the skills that you need to do what you want to do and the reason why some people don't feel that they are allowed to pursue their passion is because they think who am i to start that now at this age at this time with this little experience and what i am looking forward to promoting through this conversation and through others like it is that you have inevitably been gravitating towards things that have given you the tools that you need to succeed and all that it takes in order to put those tools to good use is just the self belief to take the leap into the seemingly daunting uncharted territory and this conversation is a perfect example of that so uh please enjoy my conversation with Brooke Brash of Imaginal and there are links to Brooke's personal and uh community Instagram page on the show notes And for more information about this podcast or anything within the Brophy offering, check out my Instagram at Dan Brophy or my website www.brophy.world. Hey Brooke, how are you going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for making time to have a chat. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. We actually we met about 2 weeks ago through mutual friends and we were having a chat about everything you're working on touched on the fact that you have come from a really interesting background in a in a more conservative more traditional career space and then you've done the Dan Brophy process and emancipated from <laughs> your conservative underserving non-aligned job into something that is really aligned with what you care about so uh just to even give me a greater context because I, I I should add we were about 30 seconds into the conversation and I said right we have to stop this right now and only be talking when I'm recording this chat because to me this is exactly what I love to talk to people about which is people who've turned what they love into what they do so when someone says what do you do what do you tell them <laughs> well um well first of all um my name's Brooke and I have 
I'm on actual Gadigal lands right now. Um, so I just want to first acknowledge that. And I am first and foremost a mother <laughs> to a two-and-a-half-year-old boy called River and he has, you know, obviously been um, my main priority over this, um, over these last two and a half years. And I'm also a mother to, and a co-founder to Imaginal, which is an online community that uh, we launched and created with my two friends, Isis Indria and Nat Kelly. And this space has been a way of inspiring new patterns of being so that we have more of a balanced world both within ourselves and also outside of ourselves. And, and we do this in community all online and we do this through workshops, through ceremonies, through uh, spaces of integration so that we can actually share and, and see what is actually sticking and learning and um, within ourselves. So it has been a, it's been a really beautiful journey so far and it's continually evolving i'm in i'm in service to this being now that's just it's outside of uh isis and i now it's it's something that we're in service to and for people who've never really observed what a ritual community would engage with either in real life or or online when people are really drawn to that universe what is it that brings them to that space i feel that the People that join our community are first and foremost carers of the world. They're the ones that care deeply about their people around us um, as well as the earth itself. And they have a, um, a longing and a vision to be of service and to be an offering in this world. And one thing that can happen with, uh, with people that care deeply is that they can do a lot and do a lot all the time. And so there is a, also a need for being cared for and having a space to be cared for. And so in this community, it is around how do we flourish as carers and as people that are in service to this world at the same time as caring for ourselves uh, because those things aren't mutually exclusive. They have to happen in unison unless, you know, um, that will turn into like a burnout, which is my, my story, you know, leading up to this. So that is why um, it's so important for me to share those two messages that we can be carers, but we also need to be cared for. So there's a, uh, a balance and balance is a big word um, that I always attune to is, you know, balance of receiving and balancing of offering. I'm looking forward to hearing about that journey to getting to this place but prior to that, just to give an indication of what that life was like for you before starting the community, when you were engaged in that practice and you were maintaining that just for yourself within your, your, your life, even alongside your nine to five, before it became something that you were able to do as part of a community, how did it look for you singularly? So what I realized after I had my own experience of burnout and, and breakdown was I had to carve out space every single day for me just to be. And the practice that I attuned to in that moment and the moments for the last five, six years has been a tea practice, a tea meditation practice. And before all of that, before I was like, you know, in my career and doing all, I couldn't meditate for five minutes. Like I was just so on that push, 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 push schedule. And since um, since that happened, I've learned the 
the benefits and also the importance of creating space for yourself because that is the that is the the fertile ground where anything can evolve from you know that's the birthplace of creativity that's the birthplace of peace and balance and and regulation and so uh that for me has been uh, an incredible practice that i have instilled among all of the other modalities that i have tried which i have tried all of them i think there's probably a few i haven't <laughs> but it has just been one that i've attuned to um just to ground down in my day-to-day but it took me a while to get there it's, it's so amazing when you think about what our generation has been able to bring through and it's so wide reaching. I think I was even recounting to you how in the early nineties, I remember that my grandparents neighbor son had started doing yoga and it was this almost scandalous, like, Oh my gosh, what's he doing, doing yoga. That's so like, it was almost a, a, a far out concept that they couldn't even imagine why this Western kid was doing yoga. And yet now every mainstream gym in the country has yoga as part of its you know, yeah. automatic offering. And I love the idea. I think we were even suggesting that, you know, this generation of people who are then raising children who even just have an awareness around their body and they have an awareness around their breath and what that would be like to, to engage with a young, uh, a small person to encourage them to just check in with themselves and be more in, aligned with that. Yeah. It bodes well for, for the ev- evolution of our, of, of people. Yeah, uh, it's necessary. It's it's so necessary for our evolution and and just on that, like I when I was fifteen I started yoga and um a lot of my my school sport <laughs> was yoga. <laughs> which wow. I was, yeah, which was very I feel like really ahead of their time actually, like thinking back on it. Um, because that is, you know, twenty three years ago, <laughs> you know. Wow. Uh, and so uh I did yoga um, as my school sport, and then I found another um, another practice called the Healing Center in Karangbar from down south. And uh, and I, my dad would drop me over there instead of going to netball or Oztag or any of those sports. I would get dropped to the Healing Center and and do my yoga hatha program, um, practice. <laughs> so so yeah, that was something that has been with me for a while as well. What was your previous career in uh, incantation like before you? managed to <laughs> escape <laughs> when if we were, how far back would we need to go to find you in a place where you were um, stuck and blocked and unhappy and needing to change things well i think like to give some context we can probably go back to when i was eight years old <laughs> and through uh through i think some conditioning some childhood conditioning even though i had the most amazing childhood and my parents gave me beyond everything that I could ever imagine. Um, we did lose our house when the, um, the interest rates went up to 16%. So we lost our house. We had to move into our um, grandma's house, which was a blessing in disguise because I got to spend so much time with my grandma. But uh, it became really clear to me that financial stability and security was of the utmost importance. You know, that was my the prior, prior priority so that, you know, I we could secure and safe in this world so I fast forward back to um, my university I ended up studying finance and economics and I think that was because of that financial stability and security that was kind of edging me towards you know finance and banks they seem really secure so (laughs) let's go there Um, and I literally left um, 
uni and I started in a financial planning position at age 21. So you can imagine me um, advising 65-year-old um, couple on their retirement when I had barely any money in my own bank account. <laughs> uh, but after that, I went into the banking industry and um, with one of the big four banks, uh, National Australia Bank. And I have to say, like, my time there was absolutely incredible. I loved everyone that I worked with. My managers were the most beautiful managers. They always were, you know, um, I guess, like, you know, maneuvering me into all these different um, roles and believing in me. And, and they really they really had my best interests at heart. So I was surrounded by all these beautiful people the work was, you know, challenging and they would always step me up into different roles. I went from marketing um, to digital in different areas of asset management, investments, insurance. Uh, and then I ended up in the digital space, the purely digital space where I was um, the lead product owner for an app development uh, for the wealth arm of the bank, which was called MLC. And so we launched the first app. So I had all of these things that, you know, I, I, my eight-year-old self would have been super proud that what I wanted to be when I um, imagined to be when I was eight years old was a businesswoman with a briefcase. <laughs> that was the, that Me was too. What I, <laughs> that's what I wanted to be. And so when I look back, um, my eight-year-old self would have been so proud. I was doing the thing, you know, and I was able to travel the world and I was taking like four or five weeks off um, every year, even more, sometimes eight weeks off to travel and got to see all of the things that I, and do all the things that I wanted to do. But there was just this underlying like feeling that something wasn't quite right. You know, I was like, well, I have all of the things that I said I wanted, you know, I have all the things that I set out to do, but something didn't feel good. And it started off with a little whisper, a little in a voice that was like, is this all there is? Is this what life is? There's got to be more. And I was like, shh, 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 we've got it all. It's fine. Don't worry about it, you know? And so that's sort of, I kind of like hushed that inner voice for a very long time, maybe like four or five years. And then my body started to play up. And so I would have three weeks of like health and, you know, go, 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 push, push, push. And then I would literally collapse and um, and be sick. I would get the flu. Someone would sneeze like a kilometer away from me and I would get sick. My immune system was absolutely shot. And I went to the doctors and I was like, what's going on? Like, I, I feel like I'm getting sick all the time. And they're like, no, you're, all your bloods are fine. Everything's good. And I was like, okay, well, there's something not right. <laughs> My body's telling me there's something not right. And it was a cycle. It was like every three, four weeks I would get sick. It was actually starting to get a little embarrassing because I was like why everyone's probably thinking that I'm just like not working or whatever it is but I was actually the most dedicated ever I would be mm -hmm. sitting in my um, my bedroom sick can't move but still doing my emails still doing the things still pushing not listening to that part of myself that's like hey I need a break <laughs> you know uh, and then there was one significant night uh, and this was about five years ago now five six years ago where I won't go into the full details of, of that night, but we had people over and we're having a little bit of a party and everyone left and I was in the room with my partner and my best friend and I was bawling my eyes out. I was uncontrollably crying and I just said, I can't live like this anymore. I just can't do it. And whew, just 
had that sense just then of um, the how big that was for me to kind of go through that. And as I said, I won't go through all the details, but it changed something in me from that day onwards. I shifted everything. I started seeing a therapist. Her name was Grace and it was very like incredible that her name was Grace because that's exactly how I felt with her and how she kind of showed me uh, a different way of just self-inquiry, you know, just to kind of check in and see how things are going. I started reading a lot of books. I was reading Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which really turned things around for me as well and also was like kind of my um, step in the door with neuroscience um, and started to really, um, yeah, really had a, an affection for neuroscience and the knowledge that it had. And that's when I had my first tea ceremony uh, with my friend Nat Kelly, who is also now co-founder of Imaginal. And that was just that moment where I first sat there for an hour in silence with her and I could just hear myself. I could finally just hear myself and tune into how I was feeling and the thoughts that I was experiencing. And that for me was just so profound. As I said, that I couldn't meditate for five, 10 minutes before all of this. And then to sit there for an hour in complete peace and being was revolutionary for me. So I started to, yeah, I started to practice every single day and it's now been five, five, five years, um, you know, almost every day of practice because of the, um, the way I could just listen to myself and, and be there with myself. And I was really, really, I was still working at this time, still in the bank because um, it took me a while took me a while the courage to kind of get to a point where I could leave because of as I said before the conditioning that I had experienced what was I going to do where was I going to get money all of that sort of stuff so I was still in the bank and um I was happened to have the best best friend in the world Nick Bradley who introduced me to Michelle Beatty who you know Dan as well who was a neuropsych facilitator and I had the opportunity to be with her in a beta um, uh, program where we did this every week on a Thursday for three to four hours with a group of six people where we understood all the different parts of ourselves from a neuroscience lens, an experiential neuroscience lens, which then just opened me up completely. <laughs> so there's this, all these incredible magicians along this path that just showed me different ways. And I was very fortunate enough to experience all of that. And five years onwards, I'm still working with Michelle, you know, every single week, you know, it's just going to be one of those things that she's just a forever partner. Um, and just the understanding of like what self-awareness was you know, actually actually doing the work of what self-awareness is because it's such a big um, exploration, right? Where do you even start? Um, so that was a beautiful pathway that she had shared with me. And then after all of these things that I was experiencing, all the different modalities that I was exploring, I just had a thought. I was like, how incredible would it be if all of these things were in one space so that people could explore and understand themselves so I had that thought um, a couple of years ago it was actually five years ago now and um, I finally had 
the courage to leave my work, my career, and I went to absolutely nothing. I just did full cold turkey. <laughs> full cold turkey. I made a I made a promise in Burning Man Temple that I was gonna quit that next year. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> and I um and I, I just left. I, I launched the app and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going. What was that runway like between like departure and the launch of the app? Did you wait until the app was ready to launch before you left the, the day job? Or what was the, was there a, a tipping point for something that allowed you to feel safe enough to make the leap? I think just like the gradual exploration of like where I wanted to be, who I wanted to be allowed me the buffer to say it's going to be okay you know it took me about two to three years I would say maybe two years to really have the courage to like say okay I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make this move and I actually did it in another way I I took a leave of absence for a year so I still had a little buffer you know, I wasn't getting paid I wasn't doing anything like that but I still had a little buffer because I was like I'm just gonna dip my toe and just see. And so I did the leave of absence. That was in April of 2019. And I just left. And I had a little bit of money saved up. That was another thing that I, I wanted to do. I was saving a little bit so that I had a, a little bit of a buffer to kind of take me through. And I went on a bit of a pilgrimage of sorts and uh, went to Bali and went to the States and to Spirit Weavers Gathering in Oregon and all of these really eye-opening places and spaces and um, did my Vipassana meditation. And as soon as I came out of that, I got a, um, I got asked if I wanted to be a wellness curator at a health retreat in Bandanoon, so in the Sutherland Highlands. I was like, yeah, that would be incredible because they were seeing that all the things that I was sharing about because I was very vocal around, you know, creating balance and doing all of those things at that point. My mission, you know, for like the last five years since I had that little seed was to create space for people to connect, you know, to connect with themselves, connect with each other and connect with the natural world. And so every emanation of creation after that was in that, in service to that, you know. So we did that at the Solar Springs retreat, which happened a month later after I got out of Vipassana. Um, and then we started everything up and running. We got it all ready to go. And then this is when the bushfires were happening in Australia as well. So there was a lot of delays and things like that because it was very close to um, the health retreat that we were going to be serving at. Um, and then COVID hit. So we only had like a month of actual operation um, in, in, in all of that work, but it, that got put on, um, on hold. But then that seed of, um, that I planted two years ago came up very vocally and I was like, okay. So I spoke to Nat, who is um, who's one of the co-founders, and she's like, that's a great idea, let's do it. And then a year before that, we met Isis Indria in um, Spirit Weavers in Oregon when I was on my little pilgrimage. And she just is in the embodiment of ritual um, and practice. She's an absolute incredible woman. And so the, the three of us um, joined forces and we created what was called Ritual Community back then. Um, we've changed our name since. And it was really that, is to create a space for ritual and a space of community as the name suggests uh, and to bring all of the things and all of our life experiences that both Nat 
um, ISIS and I had experienced and all the modalities and all the practices and everything that we had done to get to the points where we were at at that point, we shared within um, ritual community. And that was August 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, it, it's so funny. As you were saying that, I'm always, I love, I'm as excited to hear every detail as I am to jump in and go, oh my God, tell me about that along the way. <laughs> but I actually, as you, as you were saying that, I was thinking it's so funny because the, the year that I left my equivalent position, also lovely people, also solid job, just wasn't aligned for me. It was, it ended up being my dark night of the soul before I went, what, how can I align with what I really feel like I'm meant to be doing instead of being in this environment. And I did a Pashna and went to Burning Man and made a promise as to what I wanted to really be doing. And it was the, it, it must just be the, the road more commonly traveled. The, I'm, as you were saying that, I'm like, there's probably been a lot of declarations made in that very temple. Okay, <laughs> <Burning> yeah. <Man. laughs> I love that. And then, and then fun, the funny thing was, cause you know, for me it was all about coaching and really allowing people to access their creativity. And I, was stuck in that crazy traffic line on the way out of Burning Man and my car was directly behind, or the van was directly behind someone that I knew from Australia, just vaguely, who did courses in exactly the thing that I wanted to be doing. And as we were standing around for hours waiting to get out of Burning Man, she was just giving me the 411 on exactly how wow. to do the thing that I had literally a day before just declared that I wanted to be doing. And then I, I felt like my that was just the beginning of the shift of my life trajectory from that very point onwards. It was, I was like, okay, the system works. I see. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Um, what, tell me about the, the forming of ritual community that became imaginable. Was that, uh, what was the runway like for you to conceive of those ideas? Was it just an intention that then met up with, with Nat and Isis to become what it was, or did you have an idea prior to talking with, your partners as to what you wanted to create in the online space? Yeah, I think I think initially um, just because of the experience that I had leading up to, to, that, to that moment was um, I guess like just trying out different things to, um, to see what was resonant for me, what aligned with me because every single person has something that feels good for them, that allows them to create space, that allows them to connect and it's it's kind of the um, allowing the space of, of 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 exploration to be able to understand what that is for you because everyone's so different. And uh, when I was speaking to Nat, she was she brought in like a community element. Let's do this. Let's do that. So we kind of built on that singular seed that was um, that was created. And then there was a lot of water, and there was a lot of sunshine, and there was a lot of all of the nutrients in the soil from all of their experiences and life experiences that um, had brought them up to that point as well. So it was really just like a an amalgamation of, of, of us all and all of our life experiences to create what um, what happens when we when we launched in August of that year, and uh, a lot of what uh, ISIS brought was around the ceremonial aspects and the ritual aspects that that came through it. We do the same new moon ceremony that we have from the very beginning, but it's always different, but the same structure, and it's the most beautiful and heartwarming you know hour and a half that that i've experienced you know and it, and it profoundly changed me this whole journey of ritual community and now imaginal 
has been the biggest life learnings and development for me personally because I was there at all of the classes and all of the workshops and even though we were curating the experience we were also benefiting from those Mm. experiences too because they were um, you know we had teachers from all over the world we still do have teachers all over the world that share their wisdom share their point of view share their perspective and it's just this beautiful amalgamation of um, the human experience that we all get to be a beneficiary from. So uh, it, it, it has its own being, as I said, like we're now in service to it and it naturally evolved from more of like a personal ritual aspect of like how to create space and how to do all of, you know, the, the ways of connecting to self. And then it's just started to grow because we can't connect to self without connecting to the natural world. Like we can't do the microcosm without the macrocosm, you know, they, they we're one in the same, right? So naturally it evolved into topics that were outside of, you know, personal development. Um, it's that we moved into ecological health, we moved into biomimicry, we moved into indigenous allyship. Um, we, we, we basically had like a full spectrum of, of information that's not only about the personal um, experience but also the collective experience, so the collective healing and transformation. So when we tuned into Ritual Community as, as a name, it, it served the most beautiful pros, um, purpose for that first couple of years. And we went on this quest, actually, there's two six-month quests, and one was dedicated to personal healing and the, the second um, six months was the collective healing. Um, and the personal healing went through, like, how to create space, the physical, the mental, emotional, spiritual, and how to be of service. And then the second half was all around collective healing, so how to engage in um, communications that's nonviolent, how do we, um, how do we help tend to the earth, basically you know, and and each other. So it's really around those two things. And after coming out of that quest, we as a community significantly changed because we just went on a quest, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it was just this ever-evolving being. And uh, when we tuned in, we were like, maybe ritual community doesn't encompass everything that we share now. And Nat um, brought through this word imaginal to us and it is inspired by the cells that are within a caterpillar. And so when the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis, these cells, which are called imaginal cells, hold the blueprint of what it is to be a butterfly. They hold the potential of another way of being. And so this became a beautiful metaphor for what we're trying to share in the world is how can we enliven that potential within us all and also the potential as a collective with this earth and how do we heal what we can in this earth to come back into balance and so um you know even thinking about the caterpillar you know the big um there's a book about it the very hungry caterpillar it loves to consume it just loves to eat 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 and i read this to my (laughs) to my son all the time so i'm very attuned to this book and what it's what its purpose is is to consume so that it can go into the chrysalis and do its thing and become a butterfly but 
Think about the butterfly. The butterfly has a very low touch on the earth, has a very low footprint on this earth. It's in service as a pollinator. It makes the cycle go round and round and round. There's this beautiful balance that comes through. And we love caterpillars. Caterpillars are awesome. <laughs> Just want a disclaimer there. But there's, um, there's something in that in itself of how can we move from being in this consumerist um, mindset to how can we be of service and offering and have a, and, and be part of this ecosystem in a beautiful way. So that's the kind of essence of like why things kind of shifted and evolved. And um, But I will say that the, the backbone and the spine of um, imaginal is always steeped in ritual and ceremony. Like that's that will never, and community, that will never, you know, that will never go away. <laughs> I would love to find out about the, that ritual community component, but just even to acknowledge how beautiful that is. I love when uh, a book or a movie or any sort of product that's designed to be experienced, the name gives so much of the indication of what the the experience is. And even if you just recognize the word imagine within imaginal, it would be satisfying. Yet to dig a little deeper and see that incredible, uh, you know, once you associate it with, with butterflies and then even allow it to embody the entire mo of the of the offering it's so it's beautiful it's so it's so aligned it's perfect oh thank you <laughs> uh, and so for someone who didn't know cuz i you know this i love when people get a sense of of what a ritual process looks like and then they can graft it onto how they as someone who doesn't feel particularly esoteric and go wow i, I when it, when it, i do acknowledge when it's a full moon and i do know pay attention to how my energy shifts and i do I suppose acknowledge something that I might want to embrace at the end of the new year or maybe let go of or take on? People do engage in in a version of ceremony in their day-to-day -day life, even if they feel like they're not. Anytime you've blown out a birthday cake, you have engaged <laughs> in a practice. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly aligned with what we're describing. But for someone that's never really seen or understood a full moon ceremony, what does that look like for, for your community to be um, engaged with that? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful question. I think really ritual is is about attuning to ourselves, to each other, and to the sacred. And the sacred is the natural world. You know, we're all it's all one and the same. But it's really about an attunement and an intention of how we want to um, be in this world. You know, and so when we look at our new moon ceremonies, for example. That they are our um, every month we come together as a community and we realign about what vision we have for ourselves. So if you, even if you weren't someone that was super spiritual or, I mean, everyone's spiritual, but like in the sense of, um, you know, cognitively feeling into that, I would, would urge it would be more of a, a place of creating goals. You know, what's your goals per month? You know, and it's the same thing as what we do in the new moon ceremony is that we, we start with an intention. What is our goal? What is our intention for this next cycle? What are some things that we can do and commit to within our own selves to get to that? And then in the full moon, we actually evaluate well, what have we tended to and what have we not? And not in like a, and not in like a, um, a way of like you should have been doing this etc it's just a, an awareness of like oh maybe I haven't tended to that I wonder why 
and there's like a curiosity in that, you know, and like I think that's how to approach life is with that curiosity. I wonder why I'm not doing the thing that I wanted to do, you know. What's holding me back? What's what is that? So within our new moon ceremonies, they're they're all around attuning as a collective and kind of holding each other in loving accountability of all of the things that we want to set in motion that are going to benefit ourselves, but also how they're going to benefit the greater the greater good because all the intentions everything that we share within the community is not just for ourselves it is for how what impact and what rippling effect is going to be had after that so i really feel with any ritual practice of any um modality that anyone is interested in it's really around the intention of it and it's really around the connection to each other and the collective and the sacred that is within everything. It's really just turning the mundane things that we do, like brushing your teeth. You could make that a ritual. It is a ritual, you know, but you could do something around that. Maybe um, Isis always um, shares that, you know, when you go into the shower, you could be washing yourself, but you can also be cleansing and purifying yourself in the shower, you know, and creating that as a ritual intention. It's all around the intention of everything. I can't go into the ocean now without diving in three times and saying I cleanse and purify myself. <laughs> I literally cannot stop. So there's there's that. Um, it's just about turning things that are seemingly mundane into something really beautiful and sacred because life is like it is so full of wonder and sacredness. Like we had to just turn our eyes and our perspective into that each day and I think that's what ceremony and what ritual allows us to feel and embody so that most of our day can be filled in that in that way yeah absolutely I I can't help but think about that person who was maybe in that mode of being feeling stuck in that nine to five, you know, you and I have both experienced that is there some small step that someone who was feeling a little bit blocked or really blocked in their current situation could do that you would think would allow for for them to find that space to potentially welcome in some new ideation about how they could move? Yeah, I, I really feel that it's just a carving out of some sort of time during the day, preferably in the morning because it's so, um, there's just something about the morning to kind of begin a day like that. And just whatever it is, it can be going for a walk, but just like a mindful walk. It could be going out and watching the sunrise or the sunset in the evening or something like that. Just a little chunk of time that maybe you can start with just five minutes, just five minutes, and maybe even schedule it in your diary because I remember <laughs> I still am. I love, I love my calendar. So, you know, scheduling that in so that you know it's like a meeting, you know, it's, it's a meeting that you have with yourself that you can just carve out some time and space and just like ask the question, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? And, 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 and I think I don't know or I can't tell is a perfectly fine response. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. And I think also just seeing how that changes and evolves each time you do it. You know, if the first thing is like, I don't know, <laughs> shut up stop talking to me could be a perfectly fine response because it's like at least at least you're hearing it at least you're listening to it exactly i think there's just opening up the conversation with yourself and um just carving out and yeah putting in the diary 
five to ten minutes and then over time I'm I, I promise you it'll grow because I started small and I and I now have like I could spend a whole day doing this <laughs> you know? yeah, my, my, num- my number one um, biggest hack for starting meditation is give yourself permission to do a one-minute meditation totally I got into doing it after 10 years of failed attempts. And once I heard a podcaster say that she allowed herself to do one minute, I was like, great, I can suck it up and just commit to a minute. And like within three days, I was doing five minutes. Amazing. You know, it's it's just effortless how, how you know, you just need to get over the initial hump. But yeah. as you were saying about, you know, still love a calendar, you, you reminded me of one of my favorite things about someone who has had a shift in their career perspective so much so that my personal theory is that you're not actually on the back foot as someone that wants to embrace a passion-led, ultimately heart-driven, creative career, having come from a corporate space. As a matter of fact, I think that you're even better at doing it than someone who's never had some rigidity or rigor to encourage themselves to learn a bunch of skills. What are some of the, the techniques or processes or skills from your previous life that you see come to that that is useful for you in your current work in what you're creating at the moment oh totally i mean i think the even just the initial idea of wanting to create an online community was because i was creating like an online app at at that time you know i was i was getting the skills of understanding you know ux and doing all of the um yeah, the creative process, the like the building, the thinking of the strategy, all of that sort of stuff, that all kind of transformed and, and moved into the work that I'm doing now. And being a product owner just before I left, like the product management schools and um, tools and techniques that I had learnt in there was so handy for me to like know what, a, what the priority was. What's my MVP? What is all of the things that I need to launch? Can I launch this without this? You know, there's that whole mindset of like agile way of working um, transformed into the work that I was um, I was creating with Nat and Isis, and uh, I think just also the just the broad technical things that you would learn as being in a, in the corporate world of like filing and um, you know online filing and management and and um, uh with the emails with like all of the excel spreadsheets all of all of that sort of stuff anything to do with like computers like i was pretty well versed in and um and for me to kind of i do all of the design and everything for um for imaginal as well it's like i taught myself how to use canva and do all of the things i i also did a film editing course like maybe 15 years ago so i was like really i'm like i'm quite good at editing and so like you know all of the things that i have completed and um i'm such a nerd i love to like learn all the time and like up until um i mean i haven't stopped learning since (laughs) since ever since i was five um i've always had some sort of course and none of them kind of related like the film editing had nothing to do with finance and like you know all of that sort of stuff um i did a photography course i did all of that stuff but all of that now is what i need to do in this current position in this current life path so it all kind of it all kind of amounts to something (laughs) 
Even that is that's it. beautiful. That's so beautiful because it means that you know that's why I love as well. Like nothing's wasted. You know, every time someone gravitates towards like you would have gravitated towards editing and photography because they spoke to you on some level. It was was passion led, and you weren't meant to know necessarily at all what it was for. But it's just another tool in your tool belt, and then eventually those things become amalgamated. That is so exciting to me because I really feel like in so many examples of what the future looks like for. The world for for embodied business is it's not either or it's both and you know it's not being a creative passion led thinker or someone who's really good at rigid business structure. It's actually how can you combine your X factor within seemingly disparate areas to create something that doesn't currently exist because all of these more traditional modalities have been existing for millennia. But they haven't. They but never before have they been supported by a, a modern business structure in order to then allow them to be palatable and engaged with by a broad community on their terms. Because it's so for so many people that I speak to, rarely are they sort of inventing something new. They're just finding new ways to to package or to make wisdom or you know something that's quite universal more. Easy to be experienced by the people who need it the most. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's a、um, there's a merging of worlds, you know that that happens, and yeah, I'm very grateful for all the skill sets that I had developed in the corporate world to be able to apply them in this way,、um, and also help other people and you know their other businesses as well, just to kind of give a little bit of organization, a little bit of structure, a little bit of all that sort of stuff,、um, has been just so helpful. Yeah. When you think about what the future holds for Imaginal, or for what you personally would love to drive towards next on this never-ending accruement of skills and experiences, what's speaking to you currently? Well, I feel、um, with Imaginal,、um, we're actually having having an imagination session next week with Isis and Nat, where we're going to have a look at what's next. You know, what else are we going to、um, to share, and what what's needed to be shared right now?、Um, but I have a sense that it will be. Things that will be in person, so in-person gatherings, retreats,、um, potentially like a、um, like a wellness festival kind of experience,、um, could be something on the cards、uh, because I just feel like people are wanting to be in person, they're wanting to connect, you know, and and I feel that I feel that longing, so、um, I just I feel like that might be the next step for us to kind of move into more in-person gatherings. Uh, and for for me personally,、um, I have I'm just like like exploding with ideas of what I want to do. <laughs> I don't know if it's the Gemini Gemini in me that just wants to do everything. But I、um, before my eight year old self wanted to be a businesswoman, I my five year old self wanted to be a singer. <laughs> and I was I was putting on、um, you know music pageants、um, every every year for my family, and I was like at the front doing my performances and all that sort of stuff. And I I do feel that that's a part of me that wants to be expressed、um, next, you know. And something that I would never have thought ten years ago that I would even be able to do, you know what I mean? There was just like, no, you're not that, you're this, you know. And now like all the all the 
walls of the boxes are just like exploding open. I was like, what else can I do? You know, <laughs> look, it's it's one of the great byproducts of living in a completely chaotic post-truth existence. It's like, what what is reality? Not my problem. I'm just going to do whatever feels right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. There's something um, you know about writing songs, writing books. I love poetry. Um, I want want to write some children's books. I'm just obviously very inspired by River and how I can support his growth and, and every other children's um, and growth around all the things that we've learned in ritual community and imaginal. How can we digest that down into children's books that um, is going to serve them in a good way so they don't have to do it when they're in their 30s and 40s and, and, um, and beyond. They can start with the tools at this age, you know, at age five, they can understand what regulation is and emotional regulation. And so there's there's children's books I love to do. Um, I love writing poetry, so I'm just going to continue doing that, see what happens. Um, and, yeah, I've just been really tuning into, like, creating songs. Yeah, mm. so I don't know. <laughs> I, I love it. Watch this space. If this conversation were speaking to someone who would love to find out more about Imaginal, is that the sort of thing that anyone can be part of? Yeah. Great. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, welcome, welcome everyone to um, to check us out on imaginal.co on Instagram, and just if you want to DM me um, on on Instagram as well, brook.brash, um, I'm happy to yeah be of service and have a chat. But it is a it is a space just for learning and and an inspiration and and community. We have a really beautiful community that has been with us almost for the three years. Most of like the core members have been there for the entire journey. So it's like, it's a very special place. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, Brooke, thank you so much. I, that has satisfactorily answered the question that was commenced two weeks ago <laughs> to find out about what it is that you have been doing and where you've come from. So I really, I appreciate, you know, I, with everything that you're doing and a small human being to Wrangle, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to to have a chat. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been so beautiful chatting to you. Thank you for the oh, opportunity. Amazing. Well, yeah, looking forward to seeing where it goes next. Thank you. <laughs>